have your Bibles, and I hope you do, because we're here to discover God's Word. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, 26 through 28. We're looking at how to magnify the Lord like Mary, and we're going to learn this morning that we can do it through our daily walk. Uh, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be a figurine in a nativity set. You don't have to be one of the characters in the birth of Christ to magnify the Lord. Now, this passage that we're looking at, you see in your notes the overview of it. Uh, it breaks down into the annunciation or the announcement by Gabriel, the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth, and the magnification, which is called the Magnificat in Latin, of Mary's song. So let's read verses 26 through 38. We're still going to be dipping into this whole section, but we're really going to focus this morning on the Annunciation part of it. So let's read together, look together in our Bibles. 126, Luke 126. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Lowly, uh, uh, Galilee was uh, the place, Galilee of the Gentiles. It was unclean. It was unpopular. And Nazareth was just a backwater little village. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Can you imagine an angel walking in and saying that to you? And look at her response. But she was very perplexed of this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation, what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So two times, verse tw- her, her, his message both times is you found favor. You have been given grace. And behold, here's the grace That has come upon you. You will be conceived in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. Notice not Israel, it's that physical aspect, that physical heritage, the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? She's not saying, she's not questioning whether it will happen. The question is the manner of how it's going to happen. I I am a virgin, you know. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, remember, behold is often an indication of, of God doing something supernatural. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. This is a sign to Mary that God can do the impossible. Verse 37, for nothing will will be impossible with God. That was enough for Mary, and Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done a to me according to your word and the angel departed from her now at this time mary rose and went in a hurry to the hill country to the city of judah and entered the house of zacharias and greeted elizabeth we'll we'll hold off right there what 
I want you to see through this series is that Mary's song, the Magnificat, the song magnifying the Lord, wasn't a one-hit wonder. It poured out of her life because Mary's life song was to magnify the Lord and not herself. That was her life song. And it can be your life song too, okay? And we saw last week that there were two extremes when it came to Mary. What are they? We either make too much or we make too little of her. We're tempted to magnify her or to minimize her. We're tempted to deify her or to dismiss her or diminish her. We seek to either idolize her or we have a tendency to ignore her. And last week we looked at the first extreme, the Roman Catholic Church, High Anglicans, the Orthodox Church. They make too much of Mary. And we looked at these four false doctrines. And and the handout that we gave to kind of give you the the testimony to that, that's all over there. And we looked at these four different false doctrines. I won't go through those again, but I just want you to see uh, that this was taught. And then look at the next slide. It, 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 it was even in pictures. You know, we looked and talked about here's Mary as the co-redemptrix, the co-redeemer, the co-mediator, the co-bestower. Here the on the day of Pentecost, Mary, it's like, was Peter there? We don't know. It was Mary. It was all about Mary. We saw all of that. But here's the thing. The result of these four false doctrines is, to, is the worship of Mary more than the worship of Christ. Roman Catholics call that veneration, but the Bible calls that idolatry. When we exalt any human being above the Lord or place anything or human between us and the Lord, that's idolatry. And all four of these false doctrines, they diminish the grace of God, they downgrade Christ as unique, and they deify Mary as an idol to worship. Now, here's the fact. Mary was a faithful disciple but not sinless or worthy to be worshipped. And we went through these four times that Jesus reproves her, rebukes her, refuses to raise her above other disciples, and does recognize her as a mother, but refuses to exalt her as a co-mediator. But I forgot one from Luke 2. I forgot the very first time that Jesus ever rebutted Mary and said, Hey, you don't understand who I am. And that's it when he was 12 years old. And they were at the temple and Mary rebuked. Remember, they, they lost him and they left without him. And he was at the temple and Mary says, Why did you do this to your mom and dad? Like any good parent would say. And 12-year-old Jesus rebuts her by reminding her, I am about my father's mission. Why didn't you look in my father's house? So this is a lesson that at 12 years old, Jesus had to teach Mary, and Mary had to relearn it many, many times. So far from being this sinless, uh, you know, me and Jesus working it out. Now, I, I know I'm going to get my, myself in trouble here a little bit. Uh, I, 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 my wife and I, we watch The Chosen. We enjoy The Chosen, but we prefer the inspired Bible to The Chosen, okay? If you watch The Chosen, especially in this last uh, third season, the, there, there, there's this sense where Mary's always kind of, 
straightening out the disciples. And then in this third season, uh, it's her and Jesus wondering where uh, Jesus' stepbrothers and sisters, why they're not believing. No, no, no. Mary was struggling just as much as all the other disciples. And Mary was slow to understand, even though she had angelic visitation. All right? So sometimes we think, if I just, you know, if I just saw the parting of the Red Sea... I'd never doubt God again. If I could just see the empty tomb, if I could just go to Israel and walk where Jesus... No, no, no. The same way Mary uh, struggled through those things, you struggle through them as well. Mary was not someone to be worshipped. Now, where did these false, uh, where did these false doctrines ultimately flow from? Where, where did they flow from? And I told you it came from the Latin Vulgate, uh, a... A a bad translation resulted in an even worse interpretation. And I didn't give you, last week's notes weren't as accurate as they ought to be. Here's uh, the Roman Catholic Bible following the Latin Vulgate. Here's how a Roman Catholic is taught, verse 128 goes. Hail, full of grace. Now, if you think that angel said that to Mary, do you see how immediately... You go off the tracks. I mean, here's the angel. You know, if I, if I greeted you this morning, care, you know, uh, care, uh, Denise, if I, if I greeted you and said, Denise, hail, full of grace. You go, what? What are you talking about? Man, you, that's nuts. But see, that's where it all comes. If she's full of grace, and then they, the, uh, some Roman Catholic apologists will say she's full of grace to the greatest extent, that's what full means, and to the longest extent from the moment of her conception. Well, that bad translation resulted in even worse interpretation. But the Reformation came along where, we, where uh, God's people went back to the original Hebrew and the original Greek. Here is how the, the Reformation Geneva Bible, and I left it in the Old English, so those aren't typos. And the angel went into her and said, Hail thou that are freely beloved. Do you see the difference? You know, if I, if I come up to Randy and say, Hail, thou who art freely beloved, you say, Hey, you can greet me like that all the time, you know. But if I come up, Randy, oh, full of grace, you know, please flow some of God's grace to me. Do you see how obvious it is? And then I just gave you a new American standard, which I am teaching from, but all the uh, modern translations. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. So this is where it comes from. So that's the first extreme. But today we want to look at the second extreme, and it's this. Protestants and Baptists have made too little of Mary. It's too easy to dismiss her, to minimize her, to ignore her. And let me give you two reasons not to make too little of Mary. And here's the first reason. Number one, God's grace, by God's grace, she was chosen to do what no other woman has ever done or ever will do. And what is that? Do what? To be the mother of the incarnate Son of God. So I could greet all of you, oh, freely beloved, and that would be a biblical truth, but none of you have been freely beloved so as to be the mother 
of the incarnate God. Uh, look again at verse 8, uh, verse 28, chapter 1, verse 10. Coming in, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But why was the Lord with her? The angel answers in verses 30 through 33, and we see this extensive explanation that Mary, you get to be the one and the only one who will be the, incar- the mother of the incarnate Son of God. Now, you've got to understand that every godly Jewish woman since Eve has longed to be this woman. Every godly Eve thought she was that woman. When God gave her a firstborn son by the name of Cain, and she said, the Lord has given me a man. Uh, Many interpreters, and I would agree with them. She's thinking, here it is, because God made this promise in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed And that seed of the woman shall bruise you, talking to the serpent, Satan, on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, the promise is basically this to Eve. Just as the woman, Eve, was deceived to become Satan's servant in starting the fall, so a woman will be your downfall to the devil. A woman will be that. But how will a woman do that? By bearing a seed, a son, a sovereign savior who is also a suffering servant. You say, Chris, how do you get that all out of that? Well, it says that the seed will be a son and the son will crush the head. That is a sovereign savior and victor. But the serpent will bite the heel with a deadly poisonous bite. That's the suffering servant. And there it is, the gospel in Genesis 3.15, that there is coming a seed, a son, who will be the sovereign savior, but he will accomplish it literally by dying and yet victorious. Isn't that a beautiful reminder this morning? And there's a woman out there who's going to get to do that. And every godly woman, Even a Gentile, if they were, uh, well, it wouldn't have been because it needed to be come through the line of David. There were Gentile women in the line of Messiah, but they wanted to be this woman. Mary got to be that woman. How'd she get to be that woman? Because she was full of grace? No, because she was greatly favored. She had been shown abundant grace. Now, Why should we be careful not to dismiss Mary? Because she alone, of all women, holds this unique place. And then look at verses 30 through 33. In verse 30, the angel repeats, Let me make it clear, God has shown great grace to you, and behold, here's the supernatural miracle, and he literally lists six different aspects. Behold. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. The Messiah will be truly human, a seed, a son. He shall name him, you shall, and you shall name him Jesus, or the Hebrew Joshua, which literally means Yahweh saves. This is the Messiah. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. That means he's truly God. He is the Son 
of the eternal God. So we got truly human, truly God, truly Messiah. He will be great. And then the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Boom, truly human again, line of David, the son of David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now, the only way a Davidic king can reign over the house of Jacob forever is if they're sinless. Because if you remember the Davidic covenant, as as the Davidic king is righteous, the kingdom is blessed. And when the Davidic king, remember you read through the Old Testament, and this king was not like David. This king was like David. And their reigns were as long as they were righteous. But every one of them were sinners and died due to their sin. This baby is going to have a forever Davidic kingdom. Only one way that happens. He's going to be sinless, truly sinless. And his kingdom will have no end. The only way you're going to have an endless kingdom is if you're more powerful, you're more strong than any threat or enemy. All of that is promised. And guess who got to give birth to that woman? I mean, to that baby? Mary. Mary. Whoa, Mary. Truly, you were blessed. But how was she blessed? Well, here's the deal. No wonder Elizabeth says to her in verse 42. If you look at verse 42, Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women. Now, you got to understand in, 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 the, in the Greek, there's no superlative, superlatives. Yeah, those two. There's none of those things in the Greek. So if you want to say, Mary, you're the most blessed woman there is. You would say you are blessed among women. In other words, these women may be blessed, but you are the most blessed. Of course. And when she says most blessed, Roman Catholic apologists want to come back and say, see, she's most holy. No, it doesn't say most most holy. It says most blessed, blessed by the grace of God. So how was Mary chosen? By God's grace alone to enjoy one of the the greatest honors in all the world. But it wasn't an honor without pain. Because we know in Luke 2, Simeon, Simeon specifically looked Mary in the eye and said, this child is basically going to break your heart. And it's going to pierce through because she had to she had to go through that learning process of, you know, parents, easiest thing in the world, letting go of your kids. Right. Think about it. What about letting go your kid and watching be Messiah and suffer for the sins of the world? It was a great honor with great pain. So here's the second reason, though. The second reason we should never make too little is by God's grace, she was blessed to believe God for the impossible. She believed God. She was blessed to do what? To believe God for the impossible. Look at Mary's faith response in verses 38. In in verse 38, she says this. She's told... She asks, how can this be? And the angel says, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And that's all Mary needs to know. And Mary says, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, 
may it be done to me, not not because of me, not my grace flowing out of my fullness. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. And she not only believed what the angel said, but she believed the sign that the angel gave. Look at what the angel says. Behold, even your relative has also conceived a son in her old age, who is, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible. Okay, I believe, and now I'm going to believe the sign. In verse 39, now at this time, Mary rose and went in a hurry to see who? Elizabeth. Because she's like, I believe it. I can't wait to see my old relative great with child. Let's go. And off she goes. Okay. And that's the idea. And then Elizabeth has her faith response to Mary in verses 41 through 45. Mary, uh, Elizabeth affirms Mary's faith. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, verse 41, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she cried out with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How did she know that? Mary's, Mary just, I believe, was just conceived, you know, before this, uh, I think it's about 80 mile trip. Uh, down to the southern part from Nazareth all the way down, she's not showing. We'll talk next week. How did she know? How did she know? But what we see down in verse 45, blessed is she who believed there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So here's the bottom line. For those reasons, we don't venerate Mary we don't venerate Mary as equal to the Lord, but we imitate her faith in magnifying the Lord. So we don't worship her, but we want to be like her and to walk in a way that magnifies the Lord. So here's the question. How do we do this? How do we magnify the Lord? So for the rest of our time this morning, I just want to answer this question or answer it this way. Magnify the Lord with your walk by the Father's amazing grace. Do it by the Father's amazing grace. We magnify the Lord the same way Mary did. And it was, number one, by grace alone. By grace alone, magnify the Lord like Mary. By grace alone. Verse 28. Go back to verse 28. Greetings favored one and like i said if you don't interpret this if you don't translate it right you miss the point it's not hail full of grace it's hail favored one and favored is just another means of grace it means to cause someone to be the recipient of a benefit to bestow favor on to favor highly and to bless. And in the Bible, this word always refers to God's grace blessing the undeserving. And that's the idea. In fact, let me prove this to you. The only other use of this word favored is in Ephesians 1.6. Ephesians 1.6. So turn there in your Bibles so you see it in whatever translation you're using. 
But here it is in the New American Standard, and it's this. Or did I? Yeah, here we go. To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed. That's the same word the angel's using. He freely bestowed. Remember the Geneva Bible translated freely beloved. Same idea. Freely bestowed. But who is this bestowed on? On us. In the beloved. Who is the beloved? Jesus Christ. Who's the us? Every believer. So this word, highly favored, is used two times. Once of Mary and once of every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what I... Okay, you're like, okay, what's, what's this mean? Well, this is what it means. Remember, the angel's greeting is simply a greeting. You know, the angel's not like, now Mary, sit down. I'm going to expound here on how you're sinless. You're the queen of heaven. You were uh, conceived sinless. Let, you know, he's, no, he just walks in the house and it's an ordinary greeting. Greetings, favored one. And I am telling you on the basis of Ephesians 1, 6, you and I can greet one another the same way. So let's do it. So turn to the person next to you and say, greetings, favored one. Yeah. Now, now do it again. Do it again like it's a really a blessing, like you're blessing someone. Say it again. Just do it again. Greetings, favored one. I mean, I'm telling hey, you say, well, I don't have anybody to say that to me every day. Well, look in the mirror and just look in the mirror and say to yourself, greetings, favored one in in the beloved, in the beloved. So here's the point. How do I magnify the Lord? Realize that I have received God's grace and that in Jesus Christ, I am favored before God. That's just an amazing thing. Now, what's grace? What's grace? How do you define grace? If you had to def- turn to I won't tell you to do this. But if, you, if I said, turn to your neighbor and give them a simple definition of grace. Okay. We should know that. We should be able to do that. So let me help you. First of all, here's this. A very simple way of understanding grace is divine initiative. Divine initiative. In other words, grace is where God begins to do something. Or let me put it this way. God gives you what you don't deserve. He initiates it. Or... God does a work that you cannot do yourself. And God initiates. Isn't that a beautiful thing? God initiates. Listen, Mary was sweeping the village floor, doing whatever she was doing, being an ordinary sinner saved by grace. An ordinary woman. Virgin, young, teenage woman. And God initiates and says, greetings, favorable. I'm going to give you grace that you don't deserve to do something you could never do. Not even you and Joseph could do it together. You are going to conceive the holy, sinless Son of God. That's just amazing. 
Another definition I like is the undeserved favor of God, getting what we don't deserve. Another one that I often use and have taught you many times, the power, grace is the power and the desire to do God's will. Grace is God making you, enabling you to want to do his will and then to actually do it. Let me show you how God initiates the gift of grace and not marrying. God initiates the gift of grace. Let me show you three ways. And the way he did it in Mary is the way he will do it in you. So, oh man, I messed up my, my outline. I'm sorry, I changed my notes. So ignore the outline. Look at the notes. A very simple way, or I'm sorry, God did a work for her. So the first thing that God did, here's what grace does. God does a work for you before you're even aware of it. And you say, well, how do you get this out of this passage? Well, here's how I get. Look at verse 28 again. He says, greetings, favored one. Now, I'm going to give you a little grammar lesson. Don't freak out. Um, and the only reason I know any grammar is because a Greek class is not English. I wasn't taught it. Favored is a perfect tense. You know what a perfect tense is? A perfect tense means something has happened in the past and it still continues in the present. And so literally what this angel is saying is God has already done a work for you. He has already chosen you to be the mother of the Son of God and you will forever be the mother of the Son of God. This has already been determined. God's grace has given, granted and chosen for you to be this person. So he did a work for her. And he tells her that it is a work that will continue. That's why she says, look over in uh, chapter 1, verse 50, uh, or I'm sorry, verse 48. Look at verse 48. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. Because God gave her grace in the past, and it will continue. She will forever be the mother of the incarnate. He did a work for her. Then God did a work in her by his grace. He does a work in her. And I believe the moment the angel said that and she said, behold, let it be done, it happened. She was conceived. She immediately gets on her donkey and rides to an 80-mile trip. Wasn't that fun for a young teenage mother? Goes to the hill country, sees Elizabeth, doesn't ignore Zacharias. She, it says he goes, look at verse uh, uh, 39 and 40. She enters the house of Zacharias, but she greets Elizabeth, you know, because she's the one with the sign. And the second Elizabeth hears the greeting, John, six-month unborn baby in the womb, leaps with joy. Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and says, you are the most blessed. Why? Because God has done a work for you, and that work is in you. The fruit of your womb is the very Son of God. How has it happened that the mother of my Lord would come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb. So there's a work for you. That you, before you even know it, there's a work in you. And then she, God's grace did a work through her. God's grace did a work through her. Her life song magnifies the Lord by acknowledging it. 
by acknowledging it. If you look at Mary's life song, she says, God has done this. Look at the beginning of it. Verse 46. My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit is rejoiced in God, my Savior. Why? For he has had regard for my humble state. Write grace over that. This is why, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, through in me, virgin conception, and now through me, I say, join me in magnifying the Lord. Does that... Are you seeing that? So remember our threefold breakdown? That's, here's another outline. God did a work for her, the, the annunciation, the announcement. God did a work in her, the virgin conception affirmed in the visitation to Elizabeth. And God did a work through her, down through the ages, through the song of the Magnificat. Amazing stuff. How do we... Listen, how do we magnify the Lord? Men, women, here today, whatever your age or stage, you do ordinary things and you receive the grace of God, acknowledging He has done a work for me in Christ from before the creation of the world. He is doing a work in me. He has created new life in me. And that work continues. And He is doing a work through me. And I want people around me to know that. I want to sing it. I want to say it. I want to share it. I want to show it. I want to magnify the Lord. Because His grace has done a work for me. In me. And He's doing it through me. So that's the first way we magnify. By grace alone. But here's the second way, through faith alone. Through faith alone, magnify the Lord like Mary. If grace is God's initiative, faith is our response. God initiates, we respond. God initiates, we respond. There's the combination. There's the combination. So, how does this work? Look. Let's look at Mary's personal witness to her faith in word and deed. Mary's personal witness. Here, I want to show you faith in action. First of all, look at verse 38. And Mary said, there's the word. She, she, her faith, she believes it in her heart. And then what does she do? She confesses it with her mouth. Notice what she says. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. That's grace. Faith acknowledges grace. God does it. I receive it. Amen. Are you with me? So she says it. She, she witnesses to her faith in word. And then look at verse 39. Now at this time, Mary's arose and went in a hurry to the hill country of Judah to visit her relative Elizabeth. That's faith indeed. Why is that? What had the angel told her about Elizabeth? Do what? She was pregnant. And so God said it. 
That settles it. And now what? by faith, she believes it. And how do we know she believes it? Because she just says, i got to go see this. Listen, you want to magnify the Lord? Study His grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Study His grace in the Word of God. And then believe it, confess it, and act on it. See, we really, we really have complicated the Christian life. How do I magnify the Lord? The Lord initiates through the gospel, granting me grace. I receive it through the preaching of the word, through the person of Christ, through the witness of a neighbor or family member. And when I hear it, I believe it in my heart. I confess it with my mouth and then I run with my feet. That's exactly what Mary... Let's let's not complicate this. How can I magnify the Lord tomorrow? Well... You know, you think, oh, I do weird things. Even in the shower. That's probably not good to say, but I do. I mean, I I pray in there. I sing in there. I work through conflicts with people that I'll meet that I'm going to have to work through. I mean, there's a lot of activity in there. But, you know, I'll start the day. You know, we can look in the mirror and say, greetings, O favored one. I am favored in the Lord. And then you know what I can do? I can believe that, I can confess it with my mouth, and then I can walk in it the rest of the day. And you know what? When you do that, because here, think about this. Think about this. Elizabeth acts on her faith, enters the door of her house, greets Elizabeth, and immediately Elizabeth is saying, Oh, blessed are you who believes. People will see your faith in action and they will magnify the Lord as you do it. Now, throughout the rest of the story, and we'll get into this next week, you have Elizabeth's prophetic blessing, verse 45. Blessed is she who believed there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her. What a great definition of faith. Believe that what God says he will do. There's faith. There's faith. And then we see John's prophetic witness in the womb to Mary's faith. We'll talk next week. What's going on there? Is John exercising faith as a six-month embryo? Is he filled with the Spirit? Is he saved? And then you've got Mary's prophetic praise through there. Now, let me end with this. How do we magnify the Lord like Mary? I thought, okay, how do I summarize this? It's it's really this. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to God's word alone, for the glory of God alone. Listen, beloved, it is sad that so many are entrenched. And it's not just here, it's around the world. Latin America, Russian Orthodox. Greek Orthodox, Romanian Orthodox. I mean, there's all around the world, there are people who are thinking Mary is equal to Christ. When in fact, the reason Mary experienced what she experienced is the same reason you experienced salvation. And the same reason that when you and I sinned this past week or even this morning, we can go 
on the basis of God's grace and we can confess our sin and know that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone. And who gets the glory? Not me, not Mary, but God alone. That's the beauty of it. So listen to this verse. Turn, well, turn your Bibles to Ephesians 2, 9 through 10, 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. In fact, the whole chapter 1 through 10 teaches this truth. But look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I've really been meditating and studying on, on Mary's life. And I would say to you, if you just study the Annunciation, the announcement of the angel to Mary, you can sum up everything about Mary in these verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Greetings, O favored one. Greetings, freely beloved. Not as a result of work so that one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would, what? Walk in them. How do you magnify the Lord like Mary? Walk by the amazing grace of the Father, by grace alone through faith. So here's, my, here's the application. If you're not saved this morning, be saved. It's not religion. It's not going to any type of church. You can be as lost in a Baptist church as you are in a Roman Catholic church. Don't leave today. Don't go another minute without being sure of your salvation. And knowing that it's secure by grace alone. So be saved this morning. But if you are saved then walk by grace through faith. The gospel is not the ABCs of the Christian life. The gospel is the Amazon of the Christian life. You know what I mean by that? A to Z. Amazon, A to Z. It's the whole Christian life. Walk by grace alone. Believe it. So here's the deal. Understand this week, God has done a work for you, He's doing a work in you, and He's doing a work through you. Believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth, and then let's walk in it today. Amen? I don't know. Mary encouraged me. I hope she has encouraged you. Not to worship her. Not to magnify her, but to magnify the Lord. Amen? Yeah, this was good. It was good. You know, and maybe God's grace could help Mahomes' leg, too. I don't know. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we come, and and it's just good. It's good to be reminded of the simple gospel. Grace, faith, Jesus. We see in this passage the triune God, the Father. uh, The power of the Father will overshadow, and by the Holy Spirit, the Son of God will be conceived. And Mary's womb becomes a sort of holy of holies. 
where the sinless Son of God develops and matures. What a work of grace. How blessed she is above all women. But how much she is like us, a sinner saved by grace. Lord, may we have the simple faith in your great grace that Mary had. Because we have it. It's a gift from you. Let us walk in it. And I pray your blessings on each person here. That this week, we will walk by grace through faith. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.